the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Continue to enjoy your best lawn ever with Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Contact them today for a free quote, 401-392-1025 or online, LawnDoctor.com. A lot more summer ahead plus the fall. Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island, your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call for a free quote today, 401-392-1025. Find out also about keeping your family safe from ticks and mosquitoes, Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Check out their website. It's LawnDoctor.com or call today for a free quote, 401-392-1025. Petro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, which is an award-winning website, voted best local news site by the readers of Rhode Island Monthly. Today's Wednesday. It's August 18th. We're going to cover a lot, obviously, the latest in Afghanistan, which is getting worse. But, folks, I want to start off. This is certainly a battle that's going on right now. It has to do with back to school. And there's a lot of parents that feel that their children should not have to wear masks. And right now, Governor McKee is saying he's going to leave it up to the school districts, that your school district decides whether or not young children will wear masks. Now, I, th- I believe in Johnston they voted no that students do not have to wear a mask. But now there have been some developments with this, and I want to play. There's a piece on it with uh, Channel 12 regarding the Rhode Island Council Elementary and Secondary Education. Let's hear a little bit about this. ...school plans that don't include mask mandates. I'm Mike Montecalvo. And I'm Shannon Heggie. The K-12 Council voted tonight to order the Department of Education to take this action. It happened despite a lawyer's warning that it could result in legal action and despite Governor McKee's insistence that a mask mandate was not necessary. In fact, here's what the governor said to us just hours earlier. Why would you mandate in something that the local communities are already taking care of? New at 11, the governor has since responded to tonight's vote. 12 News reporter Sheena Loshudo is tracking all of these new developments and joins us now with the latest. Sheena? And he's right about that, by the way. Well, first, let's start here in East Greenwich. We were at a school committee meeting here tonight, and they officially approved their version of their mask mandate for the upcoming school year, so you can add them to the list of districts requiring masks for the first day of school. Let's take you over to Providence now and take a look at what went down during the state's Department of Education meeting here tonight. First, the council heard testimony from several people asking for a mask mandate. Then eventually, the council voted unanimously to instruct the Department of Education Education to not approve any school plans that don't include a mask mandate. A directive the Education Commissioner says she will follow. Target 12 investigator Steph Machado was there at the meeting and interviewed her right after. Well, I think it was um, a difficult position that we were all in, but I know that um, we want to follow the CDC guidelines and we have been saying that and we have been recommending it strongly and we put it in place in Providence. So after the discussion tonight, the board felt compelled to um, make that decision and has directed me to do that, even though I don't really have the authority. And basically what was said tonight is that we'll take our chances with any lawsuits that may happen. Well, there you go. Wow. And new at 11 tonight, we're hearing reaction from the governor's team. A spokesperson sent 12 News this statement, reading in part, quote, Tonight's vote by the council shows they are aligned with what the governor said earlier at his press conference today that by the time school opens this year, all students will be wearing masks. Our number one priority is the health and safety of our children. And we already know and are encouraged that a large majority of our students will be wearing masks come fall. Now, we should note that the governor does have the power to mandate masks in all of the school districts statewide, but he keeps telling us that he believes it should be up to each district to make that decision. And of course, he is also at the same time in encouraging all of the school committees to implement a to implement a mask mandate this fall reporting live in east greenwich tonight i'm sheena lushudo 12 news all right so folks but again what this comes down to and again good morning you're listening to the john DePietro show what this comes down to is really um 
the the board of ed they totally overstepped their bounds and someone then needs to challenge this if people feel that strongly about it now this is i want to also just remind people this is this is public schools this is not uh, private it's not catholic schools wherever your children or grandchildren may go but this is in fact the the state public schools that are falling under this uh, but this they are totally it's not your imagination they're totally overstepping their bounds so that is the big local controversy now let's get to the fact folks the situation in afghanistan the taliban they are killing women and if a woman's not covered up and wearing a burqa they already killed one woman but i want to go to the listen to the cbs report the taliban has seized a fair amount of u.s weapons and they're you know this is comical on whether or not oh yeah they're just going to hand them back to the united states of course they're not going to hand them back to the united states fallen into the hands of the taliban president biden's national security advisor jake sullivan has confirmed that the taliban has seized a quote fair amount of u.s weaponry and equipment adding that he does not get the sense they are going to turn any of it back over to u.s forces i mean, I, I can't believe they're even having to say that does anyone believed it folks last night theory was on hannity president trump really going after biden here we go I thought it would maybe run through bureaucracy. It doesn't. You need somebody up there that they're going to respect. So when they say, oh, he talked to the Taliban, you remember they were criticizing me. They criticized me when I talked to Kim Jong-un. Well, President Biden told me it's the single biggest problem we have. I said, have you ever called him? Have you ever talked to him? No, I haven't. He did try, but he was not. It was not receptive on the other side. But it was receptive with me, with me. Now, we were supposed to have a war and probably a very big nuclear war. I get along with him great, and I got along with him great. He doesn't like Biden much, I'll tell you that. Oh. But I got along with him great. Yep. And we had no problems. You remember that. It was We were virtually, remember the big button versus the little button and the whole thing. Let me just, we get along great. We had a very good relationship. We met, got no credit for that one no problem by the way south korea i got them to pay billions of dollars billions we're protecting south korea they're very wealthy they built the ships they build the televisions they built they do everything they're very rich they were paying us nothing i got them to pay billions and billions of dollars because we're protecting them from north korea and i had a very good relationship with president moon and all of the people in south korea in fact they they liked me and i liked them but I said, why are we doing this for nothing? Uh, folks, if anything, can you imagine if we could have someone back in the White House that knows how to get things done? Look at how the the Biden fiasco, this is not going to end anytime soon. Situation in Afghanistan, it's getting worse. More people, and again, I'll, I'll defer to a lot of the military advisors saying this, did, this was not an either or. It was not. Uh, President Biden's talking points don't even make sense about all these American lives. As we've said, you haven't had an American killed in Afghanistan in 18 months. This was a very manageable situation when you even got down under 4,000 troops. Very manageable and a very important part of the world to still have. Uh, it was a big strategic advantage, but Biden has thrown that away. All right, folks, a lot more ahead. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers and won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals, call them today, 508 336-7801 again 
336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www. This summer, let J.K.L. Engineering keep you and your family nice and cool. J.K.L. Engineering, call them today, 401-351-7600. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. J.K.L., it's going to be a hot summer ahead. Call J.K.L. Engineering today. Estimates are free. Financing is available. Remember, with J.K.L., 54 years in business, reputation is second to none especially for technical expertise customer satisfaction jkl is an approved national grid vpi installer they're also a navian certified factory dealer call jkl for a system replacement oil to gas for a heat pump estimates are free financing is available this summer call jkl engineering right now remember they do it right they do it right the first time they'll keep you and your family or your employees nice and cool Call JKL, 401-351-7600. Remember, JKL Engineering, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, a carrier factory authorized dealer. It's JKL. Call them, 401-351-7600. This summer, stay nice and cool with JKL Engineering, 401-351-7600. You're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is topetro.com. Joining right now is a columnist primarily focusing on Rhode Island, but it's Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan McGowan, I would venture to say that this is your uh, strongest column regarding Governor McKee to date. Uh, Boy, events are fast moving. This is a fluid situation. But... um, I'm, just, I, I'm then going to be anxious to hear if you get any pushback from the McKee camp. But basically, you, if I'm, you're calling him out saying, hey, this is the time to be a leader and you'd like to see him call out. I think it'd be appropriate for him to require a statewide mask mandate as far as schools are involved. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, it's funny. I was in the I was at the press conference yesterday that the governor holds every week and you and I have been. I think probably among members of the media have probably praised Governor McKee more than almost anybody yep. uh, because he's been, I think, very good in those meetings, right? He's, he's very transparent. He's become very comfortable. What you see, though, and what you saw yesterday is the one thing that I think is a little bit alarming or at least a little bit something to pay attention to with Governor McKee. And it's that he is very sensitive when it comes to criticism we saw that with mayor lorza certainly we've seen it with nelly gorbea at this point um he's very pays very close attention to what members of the media say about him write about him you know what you're talking about on the radio things like that we know that he is a little bit insecure and by the way let's be honest most politicians um are like that but sitting sitting through that that press conference yesterday where he was sort of in a very tortured way had to had to you know clarify that he is very supportive of masks in schools and he wants everyone to have masks in schools but he's not quite yet ready to um you know, to get there with a mask mandate. What was very clear was he he just doesn't want to be you know the follower right he doesn't yes. want to listen to uh because he because he knows what will happen nelly gorbea will send an email to all her supporters saying yep. oh the governor's finally listening to me seth magaziner will do the same thing um and so he's very very reluctant the problem with that is this is a serious issue and um you know I find it hard to believe And his case on this is I don't want to strong arm school districts. I want them to come to this on their own. Problem is you're three weeks out from school. 
you're getting all kinds of pressure, even from the unions, which have been pretty supportive of you uh, to do this. I'm not sure every school district is going to get there. And we already know Johnston has done an, uh, an optional mask mandate. Um, and so it's one of these things where he just doesn't want to pull the, you know, the pull the trigger, so to speak. Um, and he needs to just, just get it done. If he supports it, if that's what he wants to do, if this is what he believes in, uh, I think you got to kind of stop uh, pushing it to the local school district, stop, you know, hoping everybody gets there and just say, boom, we're going to do it. Cause he saw even last night, as you know, the council and elementary and secondary education that's came right. out and kind of worked around him uh, to push the department of education to say, Hey, you got to put a mask mandate. So now he's really backed up against the wall. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does from here. Now, Dan McGowan, they, they also though ventured forward saying their, their legal advisor told them he didn't think they just going back to the education of Fonte Green, that they don't yep. have the power to do that. So, um, so that's not automatic. And I, I believe the education commissioner said, let's just put this in motion. And then if someone wants to sue us and stop us, they're going to do it, which, which could happen, which this really starts to turn into a mess. But I want to go back on, if you remember, well, you would remember governor, governor Raimondo, she was the one saying about like the Warwick schools in Pawtucket, they threw in the towel. They quit on those kids. Governor McKee was, he was more consistent, basically saying he was going to let the locals make their own decisions so is it is it possible that he's just being consistent that he he doesn't feel that he has the right or should be forcing things on a on a mandate statewide i think it's a really legitimate point i think he is much again we've seen this with all kind of versions of dan mckee he is a lot less top-down leadership than uh than gina raimondo is so yes i think it's actually pretty consistent with what he um, what he has pushed so far. The, the challenge is, is that you're, you're running into a situation where you're putting, I think, school committees who are not, and remember, these are just regular people, elected officials yeah. often, who are not health experts, who have to go to these meetings and listen to you know, parents and other activists come in. And by the way, we see this on both sides, that we often see you know, the left kind of coming in and pushing uh, you know, school committees or, or city councils to do something. And in, in, the, in the heads of all these elected officials, they say, oh my God, everybody I know is, you know, wants me to do this. Similarly, I think you, you have a, a, a very small but mighty kind of uh, contingent of people who are anti-mask, people who don't want their, their, uh, their children to have to wear masks in schools. And if you're in one of these, you know, districts, uh, you know, small community, let's say a Foster, you know, or a Gloucester, places like this, you do face that pressure of right. a handful of parents who are going to say, I don't want this. It really does put a lot of pressure on, I think, those local cities and towns. Now, you could say, and I, I think you and I would often probably say, well, guess what? They signed up for the job, right? They right. ran for office. Yes. That, it's a very legitimate point. The thing is, the governor is is very clear that he is strongly supportive of masks. It, it just seems like he should maybe do the one extra step you're already seeing it now connecticut i believe is going to have masks at least for a couple of months uh right. governor lamont says so it's almost inevitable that this is going to happen and i think the governor probably just needs to you know again pull the trigger on it and say let's do it even if you say let's do it for a month and we'll revisit it just do something to give every district kind of a uniform policy folks we're speaking with dan mcgowan of the boston globe and i also want to just clarify for people that are listening, this is for public schools in Rhode Island. That's right. The governor does not have uh, authority over the private schools, uh, the Catholic schools. We saw that actually last fall where they, you know, many of the schools, they were in school five days a week. That's while right. The others were still doing distance learning. Dan McGowan, but this is uh, a big, it's a big issue in the local communities. In yep. Cranston, you know, the school committee voted for mask mandate for kids and you know we got very contentious in in east greenwich a lot of the parents and i mean a lot of parents are rallying against they don't feel young kids should wear masks so um i i agree with you do you think tomorrow is the day when governor mckee on thursday now he's gonna 
this is interesting. Also, twice a week now, yeah. he's having media briefings. One week is with the lieutenant governor, and the second week he's with, with uh, as far as health and as far as the the pandemic. Do you think tomorrow is the place that then he announces he's gonna mandate a, a statewide mask mandate for public schools? I think it will be. I think I, my my guess is that there will be some version of a hedge. He'll he'll say it'll be a month, or he'll. Uh, you know, or potentially he'll say, you know what, I'll announce next week or, you know, maybe he'll kick it a little bit. Remember, Gina Raimondo did that a lot uh, leading into the reopening of schools. In fact, they they even moved the, the, the start right. date, uh, you know, of supposed school. to be the Wednesday last year before Labor Day. And that's then right. It ended up two weeks and after. Labor Day. Th- that's exactly right. So he yeah. does have I mean, he's right. He has some time. I do think he's facing a lot of pressure. I think this council on elementary and secondary education thing. Uh, I know it threw them off. They did. They were completely blindsided by what happened last night, which you know it was probably poor staffing on their part. I also think the the big question tomorrow, and I think reporters who are in the room should be pretty aggressive with the Department of Health. Right? There's no more. You know, Doctor Alexander Scott doesn't get to, uh, you know, kind of you know move in and out of where she believes people should you know should be on this make a you know take a stand and you know what if the governor something tells me the governor's not going to say uh i'd like your resignation over this kind of thing so i think she's going to face a lot of pressure to have a strong opinion either way um on this issue so third all eyes on thursday uh at i think at noon or at two o'clock uh for, for that briefing Two o'clock on uh, on Thursday, and he seems like he's going to settle in on what. What do you think of twice a week now? On on Tuesdays, it seems at two, he's going to have his weekly briefing with the lieutenant governor, and then on Thursdays now with Department of Health. It remind, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of at, at the beginning of school last year when you know Governor Raimondo wanted to have these press conferences where she. Uh, you know, talked about whatever was on her mind, not just school. She wanted to reopen the economy. She wanted to do all these things. And, you know, you, you sit in there yesterday uh, for the, the so-called non-COVID briefing. And the only thing anybody talked about was COVID, right? It's, yeah. it's the only topic that matters right now. Cases surging. You've got school reopening. And it seems if the governor's not going to have kind of two tracks, just go back to having a COVID press conference and both governors, Gina Raimondo and Dan McKee, have been more than willing to take, you know, a non-COVID question from from you or from me, um, you know, over the course of the last 18 months. And so it, it strikes me as a, a little bit strange. I mean, look, you know, he, there there is a lot to discuss and there will be weeks where, you know, people want, I think, the governor to weigh in on completely non-COVID related things. But right now, I mean, it's the only topic on anybody's mind. So I'm a little surprised that they're going with two and not just making it, hey, from here on out, you know, COVID's going to be the focus. That's the priority. Um, and, you know, and then we'll get back to normal, you know, or whatever normal looks like by, I don't know, October 1st or something like that. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. Mega truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for Mega MEGA, Mega truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections, and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. 
If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. For all your tree needs, call the tree trimming experts in Lincoln. It's Yankee Tree Service. Call them today for a free quote, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, 401-439-6028. Fully insured tree removal company with a licensed arborist. Yankee Tree Service. They provide various tree services, including tree removal, pruning, land clearing, stump grinding, and bobcat service. Check out their website, yankeetreeservice.com. Whether it's for tree removal or stump grinding, Yankee Tree Service provides stump grinding so you can enjoy your landscape without the eyesore of old stumps. Tree pruning. You know, many times a tree just needs to be pruned instead of completely cut down. The licensed arborists with Yankee Tree Service, they'll help you decide what's the best treatment plan for your tree emergency service or bucket truck service they'll get up in the bucket call yankee tree service today for a free quote 401-439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com we speak with dan mcgowan of the boston globe dan very interesting uh, article in today's boston globe by your colleague brian emerald Vaccine mandates in Rhode Island are running into a barrier, union bargaining. I knew this was going to come into play at some point. And where do things stand with that? Yeah, this is a, I was so happy Brian Amaral did this story because it's one that has played out for various, you know, other issues for a long time. You and I talked a lot last year at the beginning of school reopening about, you know, the, who was the most resistant to reopening schools uh, in person? It was the unions, right? Yeah. And that was coming from the nationals. That was coming from the American Federation of Teachers. Now, they have changed their tune. They're all in on, on reopening. And so you've seen that in many ways, for the most part, trickle down to kind of these local unions. But yeah, very similarly now, you've got, you know, and, and this is way outside of just teachers unions, but you know, organized labor who feels like, you know, everything they do is dictated by a contract, uh, you know, with a municipality or with the state, you know, with the schools, things like that, uh, you know, have been reluctant to say, you know, this needs to be a mandate. And the truth is, you can't get to vaccine mandates in most, certainly in Rhode Island, and I think in Massachusetts, too, within most, you know, government employees, without getting that buy-in from the union. So it's going to be something really interesting to pay attention to. And you already are seeing kind of, you know, you know, real hesitance. Um, I think uh, the Providence Police Union has been fairly critical of, of yes. Mayor Lorza for doing this. And you'll wonder, is that just because there's an overarching problem or is there actual hesitance, uh, you know, about the vaccine? But the, the, the only way you get it done is is with the support of labor. Um, and if you don't, I mean, you could potentially have more, you know, you could have messy lawsuits, you could have all kinds of things, because if it's, you know, there was no COVID for when most of these, uh, uh, you know, collective bargaining agreements were, uh, were enforced or were signed, right? So, you know, there's nothing that says, hey, if we mandate a vaccine, you have to go do it. Uh, and so it's really interesting, very, very much different than the private sector where the Boston Globe, I think this is fairly public, the Boston Globe is requiring us all to be vaccinated. And, yep. uh, and you're seeing this across certainly uh, news organizations, but, all, you know, many other places, too. So really going to be interesting because that's that is the hurdle. You, you can't get it done without labor. How about Council 94? One of the things they may ask for, paid time off to get a vaccine and time off for any side effects. You know, I'll hand them this. They come up with things I would never even think of. Well, you know, I was thinking that uh, maybe they can, you, you know, you'd, you'd give the, the paid time off, I suppose, for the, 
uh, you know, for that, uh, for, for getting the vaccine, but maybe you can limit the, the side effects. I think all of us that have been vaccinated went through the one, maybe two days of, of uh, not feeling well after getting, especially that second shot. But, uh, you know, you can't be you can't have a week off of work uh, because because you got the, the, the shot in your arm. Folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, there's a number of um, inside baseball type things going on, but I still find them interesting, starting with, uh, boy, this room had been floating uh, about Senator Golden stepping down. And if you don't mind just walking through, because th- this will be a, a you know, there's a lot of back, to, uh, you know, backroom drama also because of the redistricting going on. But her stepping down, then that's an open state Senate seat, which is very valuable and powerful. But then you also have the redistricting lines that are going on. Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, look, this is fairly inside baseball. If you don't really pay close attention to either Providence politics or, you know, the state Senate, you may not even know who Gail Golden is. But the thing to know is... She represents the east side of Providence, the one of the, if not the richest kind of neighborhood. It's probably the the richest Senate district um, yep. in, in the state of Rhode Island. What does that mean? It means that it costs a lot to win uh, a Senate seat. I mean, you're going to see a lot of money spent in in this upcoming election. And Senator Golden, who's been there for a while, um, she actually had her seat interestingly kind of handed off to her by the last senator, Rhoda Perry. Uh, uh, about a decade ago, a little less than a decade ago. And uh, she's joining the Biden administration. She's going to be in the U S labor department. Um, and so you're right. There was rumors about her, her leaving. There were a lot of rumors about her potentially running for secretary of state. Um, so, so I think a lot of folks were thinking that, uh, you know, that there would be an open seat there. The interesting part of that, you just, you mentioned redistricting is the remember there are there are two Senate districts on the east side. There's District Three, which is the majority. That's Gail Golden who's leaving, and then there's a tiny sliver in Mount Hope, which is mm. where Tiara Mack, the the yes. very progressive senator, uh, lives. And her district kind of weirdly stretches all the way to South Providence. It was designed to be a majority black or a a large black population, um, you know, many years ago. And there was a lot of thoughts uh, with redistricting coming up that you would see the east side actually completely have one Senate district, which would force Tiara Mack to either move, you know, maybe to South Providence or run in a primary um, against the Gail Golden or against now whoever wins that seat. That's still very much a possibility. I would, I would keep a close eye on that because, remember, Gail Golden, Tiara Mack, they're not the same, but they're both progressives. And the thing they had in common is they were uh, no fans of the Senate leadership. And so as the Senate leadership kind of starts to look at where it's going to you know, want to see a uh, new district, how it's going to want to keep its majority, um, that's going to be something really interesting to pay attention to. You could have, in theory, somebody spend this fall $150,000 to win wow. a Senate seat. Holy uh, cow. And then completely have a new district next huh. year when they run again. So uh, keep an eye on that. I think it's going to be a really interesting race. The thing to know, you know, if you're, if you're just at home and you're listening and you want, want to know what the very, or the, you know, the, the very basics of this are, you can guarantee that Providence Senate District 3 will go to a pretty progressive liberal Democrat. Yeah. Uh, the question is, though, how far, right? And what you're going to see is, I think, a very a mainstream candidate emerge, a you know, a, a very liberal, but uh, you know, a, a person who's going to be supported by, I think, a lot of the uh, the big names over there, the Murph Yorks of the world. And then I think you're going to see, uh, you know, a, the a, the political co-op, right, the Matt Brown group, um, really push, uh, you know, for for someone who's super progressive, more like a Tiara Mac or more like some of these very very left. Um, candidate. So it's going to be a clash between liberals, really. That, that's what this is going to come down to. It's going to be which which part of the left wing are you on? Dan McCowan, aren't you anxious to see how Hillary Levy Friedman actually does now as the candidate? I mean, because to me, she's one of those people, boy, on paper, she's impossible to beat between Harvard and Princeton, University of Cambridge, and former uh, president of now, and she's written books, and she's a Brown. 
But then there's a big difference when you're finally out there as the candidate on the stump going door to door. Well, and how many times, John, have, have you and I seen a, a candidate who looks great on paper, yes. especially academically, right? Yes. Somebody who's got the Harvard, the Brown, you know, I, I use using that neighborhood, somebody, for example, uh, who's a who was an excellent councilman, but but has left the council, Sam Zurier, Rhodes yes. Scholar. Yeah, uh, one of the brighter people you'll ever meet about uh, on on politics and on policy, but you know had a real hard time being being relatable to yeah. uh, to people, being relatable on the council, and and that that's what's going to be really interesting about this Hillary Levy Friedman. Now, you know, a lot of us, I think you and I wrote this in Roadmap today. Uh, you and I included uh, probably rolled our eyes a little bit. She she rolled out a campaign earlier this year and said, "I'm running for General Assembly. I don't know which seat. I yeah. don't know where." But I, I'm going to run for one of these things. She actually looks kind of brilliant now because she raised thirty thousand uh, bucks. Yep. So she she's got the money to do this. She'll continue raising money, and it will be interesting. Now, f- funny enough, she she's an author who wrote a book about pageantry, and let's not let's be very clear: elections are like pageants in some yes. ways. She's going to look the part. I think she's going to sound the part, um, and and I think she's she will be a very formidable candidate. My guess is she will be. I'm, I'm just going to use that mainstream kind of progressive candidate um, in this race. She already seems to have a lot of support behind her. Uh, her. The question is, can she kind of get clipped by someone who's even further to the left than her? What, what, before we take a break, what can you tell us about this uh, Gina Pham, who's the Massachusetts teacher? Yeah, pr- public school teacher kind of popped on the scene. I, I uh, pr- did the same amount of research probably as, as, as you did. You Google her and it was, uh, I think she was quoted in a Providence Journal story uh, when we were seeing, you know, kind of that uptick in, in Asian American violence. And so, yeah. you know, has started to kind of carve out a little bit of a niche. She would be, according to her, the first or one of the first Asian Americans in the Rhode Island General Assembly. So I think she's going to lean hard into that. The interesting thing about about the east side of Providence is you know, your listeners are probably like, oh, my God, those guys, there's nobody further to the left than the east side of Providence. The thing is, is that's true to uh, to an extent, but they also like to handpick their winners, right? They yeah. also like to have, you know, that's where Gina Raimondo came from. That's where, uh, you know, that's where it's often decides the mayor's race in Providence. And so it'll be really interesting to see how they treat a, you know, a very aggressive, uh, aggressive progressive uh, candidate versus the person that they pro- they know will hold up kind of their values um, and who they probably know who they go to you know fundraising parties with and dinner parties uh, whereas the, this progressive you know lives in an apartment uh, on Gano Street is not you know deeply tied to the east side of Providence so you know there's going to be a class issue there too that's going to be really fascinating to watch. Yeah, in the Matt Brown Cooperative, who's their candidate in this race? That's who this is. Gina Pham is the, is the, yeah. is, is the Matt Brown Co-op, Cooperative candidate. And, and remember, they're going to go all in. They had a great oh, yeah. they had a great Senate year last year, won a bunch oh, of yeah. seats, and now they're gearing up potentially for Matt Brown to run for governor, potentially to make a real splash in the Senate again next year. So this is their test case, right? This is their, you know, how much momentum do we have? So they're going to be all in, uh, you know, all fall really for, for, for this candidate. I think this is interesting before we take a break, just because with this Hillary Levy Friedman, she's almost going to be seen as the front runner, which puts more pressure on you, but boy, don't underestimate Matt Brown and company because if they, if they, they know how to get votes, they That's know right. how to get people elected, and they know how to campaign. That's right. Uh, I don't know about governing, but they certainly know how to do that. Folks, quick break. Uh, another segment, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. Calvino, call for a free consultation today, 401-785-9400, or online, fightbackcalljack.com, where you or a friend or a member of your family in an auto accident, motorcycle accident, slip and fall, workplace injury, fight back, call Jack, free consultation, 401-785-9400. 50 years personal injury law experience and his office 100 years combined total with the staff. Fight back. Call Jack, 401-785-9400. It would be great 
if you were in an auto accident, motorcycle accident, slip and fall, workplace injury, and the other person's insurance company offered to compensate you what they should, but it doesn't happen that way. You need a fighter. Fight back. Call Jack. Free consultation. 401-785-9400. Jack Calvino. 401-785-9400. Or online, fightbackcalljack.com. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, the uh, the Globe has some great stories. And I like how it's just communities that aren't always in the news, starting with this is a really interesting story in East Providence where the clerk is saying that the city won't accommodate her dyslexia. Yeah, we're really trying to make a move into, you know, the, the Providence is always going to kind of be the center right. of our world. But we're really trying to kind of reach out to communities. And you're right, this story by my colleague, Brian Amaral, kind of looking into what's going on in East Providence. And you've got a clerk who's pretty upset about uh, how they won't, uh, the city basically won't accommodate her, I believe it's her dyslexia. Um, and it's, I think it's going to be something to continue to pay attention to. It puts a lot of pressure. Remember, that's a first time, first term mayor yeah. over there uh, in Mayor De Silva. And so it's the first time that he's getting really any, um, you know, I guess he had a little bit of that, that at, at met a comment with the golf course last year, but this is the well, first that time. And then the bike lanes. Was and the bike, that's up. right. Great yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, this is, this is now another thing where, remember, he's going to be up for reelection shortly too. Uh, and so it's going to be really interesting to pay attention to what's going on in, in East Providence, where, where you normally, you know, wouldn't be talking about what's going on in City Hall. No. And you know what Dane jumped out at me in the story is Assistant City Solicitor Dylan Conley. Boy, <laughs> him and the father are in everywhere. <laughs> the Conleys have a wow. uh, have a real power gr- uh, grasp on a lot of different cities and towns. They they have a lot of uh, you know assistant solicitorships in huh. all kinds of places. Westerly, I believe. Really? Yeah. So they're wow. that's they've carved out a little bit of a of a niche for themselves. It started, of course, with the senator Billy Conley, who lost right. last year, and then Dylan Conley ran against Langevin. Um, you know, is the young lawyer who, who yeah, does this a lot. I believe I, I want to say Johnston as well. There's a whole bunch of places that huh. they're the they're the the assistant solicitors, uh, uh, essentially the, the lawyers for the those cities. And he's Providence City Liquor Licensing Board, right? That's right. That's exactly yes. right. Wow. Now, there's another story. This has been bubbling for a while, but uh, Ethics Commission finds probable cause of violation by former Warwick official. This has been bubbling for a while. And. Boy, it's it's I, I don't know where this is going to lead, but whenever you get involved with the ethics commission, it's it's not it usually doesn't end well. Yeah, we you know it's funny. I think a lot of us at times can kind of roll our eyes at the ethics commission because they're oftentimes you can you know end up with a five hundred dollar fine and a slap right. on the wrist, and we all say, well, that you know that's that didn't really detract from that you know from people doing you know anything wrong. This one's interesting because this the, this complaint really popped up as Steve Marola, who was the council president, was running for uh, for state senate. If you remember, yep. he was running for that Aaron Lynch Prada open seat last year. Um, and I think what what happened, like very often happens with with the ethics commission, is uh, the person who's under investigation dismisses it and says it's all political. It's all political. But very often. The Ethics Commission comes back six months, a year later and says, no, they got it wrong. <laughs> they, they, they did something. You know, they actually violated something. I remember this with Michael Solomon in Providence who had to pay a fine, uh, you know, at, at one point after the election. And, and you know, Steve Marilla, who knows what he's going to do next. But this is a guy who was riding very high for a while. Yeah. He was a pretty effective council president, especially he was effective council president as uh, mayor, the mayor at the time, Joe Solomon was considered relatively weak. Um, and so, you know, he, he was riding high, took a shot on his Senate seat, ends up now kind of caught up in this, you know, an issue over a contract, over a fire, uh, you know, fire department spending. Um, and, and you know, now he's going to have to answer some questions and who knows what it means for his, you know, political career going forward. And Dan McGowan, before we get to Roadmap, um, you also wrote about, and again, I you've covered him extensively, but Nick Hammond stepping down president of the Providence School Board. What what are we to make of that? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's been pretty clear that he's wanting to kind of step down for for a long time. But you know, like I've I, I know Nick and I've covered yeah. Nick for a really long time. 
you know, he's he's the kind of politician or person who says, you know, every year, ah, I'm quitting, I'm done. I, I you know, but he's addicted to the game. He loves being an insider. Uh, played a vital role, uh, particularly when the state takeover was, you know, just at the beginning because. Nick Heeman has connections in the legislature, has a lot of connections in the city council, was was you know, was the mayor's selection for school committee. Nick Heeman could have really turned a lot of people against the state of Rhode Island, against Gina Raimondo and against the commissioner. Instead, he kind of came on board. He acted as, you know, a little bit of an informal advisor, I think, to uh, Commissioner Infante Green. He's also very close with the Providence Teachers Union. So he was kind of a, a very uh, secret kind of middleman throughout the takeover and has been that person, uh, you know, even over the last two years as things got really kind of out of control. I think he was ready to go. Um, he's going to stay on the board for a little while. Remember, that board now is, is very weak. There's not a lot they can do. They still handle, right. you know, grievances and little things like that. But with, with him there, it didn't matter that the board was weak because he had so many connections in so many different places. It'll be interesting. Now I think you'll, you'll really see how weak that school board is. Yeah. Folks, you hear me mention Roadmap. It's just filled with information. It's a great resource and tool. Uh, I learn things each day as I read it. And the best thing is I get it for free in my inbox uh, email each morning. Dan McGowan, people that are listening right now, how can they also – Sign up and get roadmap. Sure, I want to charge everybody, but I just can't. I give it. I give it away for free. Uh, the easiest thing you can do: send me a blank email. Just don't write anything else other than to rinews at globe.com. Rinews at globe.com. And John's right. You get analysis from me today. We're talking about the the Senate District Three race. You get you know kind of original reporting. Last week we broke the story that Ryan Gomes, the PC basketball yes. player, is. You know, is, is off to join this really interesting basketball league. That's where he's... really wild, by exactly. the way. Exactly. Yes. And, and so all, you know, every day, every weekday, you get all kinds of new information. You get all my columns, all the stories that we're working on as a team in Rhode Island cut for the Globe. And then all the Globe stories nationally. What's going on in, you know, with the Biden administration? What's going on in Afghanistan? Things like that. So rinews at globe.com and you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan. Uh, Dan, great job. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Have a great day. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokerage for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, Bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies. You can depend on MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401-431-2300. 401-431-2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today, MEGA Logistics, 401-431-2300. Back in 2017, you had expressed concerns about the membership of the all-white Bailey's Beach Club, said that you hoped it would become more diverse. Now, your family's been members. Your wife is one of the largest shareholders. Has there been any traction in that? Are there any minority members of the club now? I think the people who are running the place are still working on that. I'm sorry it hasn't happened yet. Blaming it all on his ribs. Born a blue-blooded snood. His birth was a black tie affair. It's all who you know. Like Claus von Bülow, he just likes to be seen everywhere. He leads a privileged life with a white privileged wife. At Bailey's, they like their champagne. Life on Bellevue in a state that is blue. <laughs> You'll never hear Sheldon complain. He likes clubs with wide faces with the lead waspy crowds where for decades kept the Jews away. And BLF cannot stay. Well, he's not big on diverse faces. Bailey's Beach Club is. 
children likes the clubs with wide faces. Oh, yeah. Do you have concerns in 2021? I mean, obviously, it's been four years. You have remarks on the floor following the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd saying, you know, hoping to root out systemic racism in the country. Your thoughts on an elite, all-white, wealthy club again in this day and age. Should these clubs continue to exist? It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. This portion of the John DePietro Show, folks, is brought to you by Brothers Disposal. Call Brother Roland today, now offering weekly trash collection services. Brothers Disposal. Look for them on Facebook. They have those purple dumpsters, and the Facebook page stands out, purple and yellow. Brothers Disposal. Again, offering weekly trash collection services. Call for an estimate, 401-688-0517. 401-688-0517. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal today. Put a purple dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're doing some spring cleaning, or maybe you want to clean out that basement, the garage, the attic. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster in your driveway, 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven, and remember, now offering weekly trash collection services. Call for an estimate. It's Brothers Disposal four zero one six eight eight zero five one seven. I can breathe clearly now. My mask is gone. Nothing but a big smile for all to see Gone is the Fauci mask I had to wear My lungs will be full, full, full of beautiful air My lungs will be full, full, full of clean air my lungs will be full, full of beautiful air. My lungs will be full, full of clean air. My lungs will be full, of beautiful in an accident someone hits your vehicle it's damaged in some way pick up the phone and call west fountain auto body 401-272-3340 they're located 400 west fountain street in providence folks as you're riding along you just never know you could be dealing with a drunk driver someone not paying attention how about the people texting and driving if you ever damage your vehicle call west fountain auto body 401-272-3340 3340 several reasons one they'll handle everything for you two they're going to work for you not the insurance company and three they'll make your car it'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom west fountain auto body call them 401-272-3340 did someone damage your vehicle whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle west fountain will restore your vehicle get it back on the road call them today 401 401- 272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident, first thing you want to do, call the police, fill out a police report. If the tow truck shows up, tell them, let's get this vehicle over to West Fountain, 401-272-3340.